Well, I'm really excited to be starting our Ready or Not series. We've been talking about this for a while, building up to it, and um, uh, this series really on the core values of our church, the heart of our church. I know in the past, you know, about two years ago when we started, um, we talked about some of these things, but really as we're getting ready to um, officially open to the community and, and get our building all ready, um, you know, and really kind of get started in a whole new chapter for our church, I really want to revisit and maybe dig a little bit deeper into the core values of our church. Here's the thing, I'm, I'm just going to do the best that I can to share with you the vision that God has given me um, for us, for our church. Um, I'm just trying to follow God. And through all this, we're going to be talking about um, different things um, for our church and the heart of our church. And in it, I need your prayers as I try to deliver the message that God's given me for our church to you. I need your support. I need your cooperation. I need your input. Listen, I know I don't know everything. I mean, I, I don't want to ever get to a point when I think I don't need input. I don't need advice. I don't need um, even constructive criticism. So I want your input as well. I'm just going to try to pass along the message that God is giving to me. Here, I, I just finished taking a pastoral administration class. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get my, uh, you know, um, degree. And one of the things that the teacher said, and it's really my heart, and he said, you should be, you should be able to say this um, confidently. And here's what he was talking about. As a pastor, me personally, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not the expert. I'm a greenhorn. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm learning what I'm doing. I'm learning. That's why I'm going back to school. That's why I'm reading books. That's why I'm asking advice. I don't know what I'm doing. And I really think if all of us looked at our lives, we would all agree with that. But I'm learning what I'm doing. I mean, look around what God has done. Look at where we are today. Look, look at the building that God brought to us and in the families that he's brought to us and, and, and what he's doing in our lives and provisions that he's given us. Listen, we're, we're, we're sitting in a miracle. This built, we're sitting in a miracle. You know, the chairs that you're on, these chairs that were given to us by a church, we're sitting on a miracle. God has blessed. And listen, we're going to continue as a church, Coastline, to move forward step by step. As a young church, we're going to move forward with a heart for God, with a love for Jesus, and, and by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's it. And uh, this, I'm excited to start this series today. And, and uh, I want to just kind of give you briefly, quickly, before we jump into today's message, just... Some of the topics that we're going to be going over, you know, this series is going to be composed of, of these topics, but not just limited to these. I may, I may add one if the Lord gives me something, but, but first off is this. We're going to be talking about Bible preaching, one of, one of our core values, Bible preaching, which is the Word of God communicated to those who are here. Bible preaching, that's our heart. What else? Authentic worship. We're going to be a message on authentic worship, um, the praise of God given. Uh, what else? A welcoming spirit. Not just the word of God communicated, not just the praise of God given, but the, the, heart, the heart of Jesus shown in our spirit towards those who come into us. We're going to have people from all across the board, all across the community, all different walks of life walk through these doors. And we want to have a welcoming spirit. That's one of our core values. What else? Love in action we'll be talking about. Not just the word of God communicated, the praise of God given, the heart of Jesus shown, but love in action, the hands of Jesus working. And then what else? This last one for now is also one of our core values is a stand for truth. A stand for truth. And that is the truth of the Bible lived out. So Bible preaching, authentic worship, 
a welcoming spirit, love in action, and a stand for truth. And there may be more, but these are really our five core values as a church, and that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks through this series. And today we're going to start uh, on that core value of Bible preaching. So important, a core value of Bible preaching for our church, for Coastline Baptist Church. Now, I was walking through Home Depot uh, a few weeks back, or a few months back, actually, and, uh, you know, really not looking for anything specific, but just like any other all-American, red-blooded American dad, you know, I'm just walking through Home Depot looking at all the things that I think I need that I probably don't need. And uh, I'm walking through and I'm seeing these tools. Oh, I could really use that. I don't really know what it does, but I probably could use that at the house. And, and I walked by a, uh, one of the end caps and there was these home improvement books, you know, you know, one, two, three steps of, you know, all across the board, anything you need to get fixed in the house. Here's a book on it. It's this big, fat book on, um, you know, things in the house to fix or, or whatever, electrical, plumbing, flooring, paint, you know, patio stuff, just a book of just how to, um, anything you can think of in the house. And, uh, and I said, well, I think I need that. You know, I'm no expert. I think I need this. And I bought it. And it's been a help and it's fun to look through. I'll just sit there sometimes and look through it and try to learn how to, you know, put up walls and just stuff like that. And, and uh, I was thinking as I was praying this sermon on, on Bible preaching for our church, how oftentimes, church, we treat the Bible like that home improvement book. Just a big book of how-to. If you do this, 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 if you follow these three easy steps, you will have the abundant Christian life. If you, if you uh, specifically do things just this way, you know, you can't do it any other way or it won't work. But if you do things this way, if you live like this, then you will have a happy and blessed life. The Bible is not just a big life improvement book. <laughs> That's not what the Bible is. So really to start with this message of Bible preaching, we must ask the question, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? Well, first of all, the Bible, number one, it's most essentially good news, not good advice. It's most essentially good news, not just good advice. If you look at the Bible, it's just a, this big book of, uh, you know, uh, good suggestions for a happy life. And the Bible's not good advice, it's good news. Good advice is a save yourself message, a, a self-help manual. And that's not what the Bible is. The Bible is good news. What? The good news of what? Jesus Christ. And that's number two. It's most essentially about Jesus and not about me. It's most essentially about Jesus, not about me. Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus, the story of Jesus, the, the, the gospel of Jesus is, is woven into every passage in the Bible. Every deliverance you see in the Old Testament, uh, uh, the ram caught in the thicket, uh, David slaying Goliath, these are all pictures pointing to a greater David, a greater sacrifice, and that is Jesus Christ. The Bible's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm not David <laughs> in the Bible. We look, oh, I could be like David and slay the giants of my life. No, 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 no. Jesus, David is a picture of Christ. We're, I'm the scared Israelites up on the hill that don't want to fight my battles. No, I need Jesus. It's number two, the Bible is most essentially about Jesus and not about me. So, so what is the Bible? It's, it's not good advice, it's good news. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. Number three, it's most essentially about what God has done, not what I should do. It's most essentially about what God has done, not what I should do. Every single thing that the Bible tells us to do, which are the imperatives, what we should do, everything that the Bible tells us to do are based on what God has done. 
and those are the indicatives. So every single thing the Bible tells us to do, the imperatives, are based on what God has already done, the indicatives. So that's what the Bible is. It's, it's good news, not good advice. It's about Jesus, it's not about me. And it's about what God has done, not just about what I should do. So in preaching the Bible, as we're talking about the core values of Coastline Baptist Church as we get ready to reach out into the community, um, in preaching the Bible, there are three things that, that me as a pastor, but also us as a church, we must consider. And that's these three things, the, the plan of preaching, the purpose of preaching, and the people of preaching. So number one, and this one's going to be a little bit more, this first point will be pretty informational, but I want to talk about the plan of preaching. And I'm going to talk about the types of preaching that, that are out there and, and really what I'm going to strive for. So these are really, I'm going to give you four basic types, uh, quadrants, zones, whatever word you want to use, four types of preaching and kind of give you, um, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. So number one is this, and I know this a little bit, just listen, just try to see what I'm saying here. Okay, number one, in types of preaching, there's intellectual preaching, doctrinal preaching, you could call it, intellectual preaching. That's a style of preaching and that engages the mind, intellectual preaching. Oftentimes, this kind of preaching is more academic. Uh, it's more almost kind of, you can preach it, but it's almost more like a class. You're teaching things. It, it focuses, this intellectual preaching focuses on a grid of doctrine. You know, all the things, the soteriology and the eschatology and the, the, the you know, the, the, the soteriology, all the different ologies. And, and it really is, is, it's about the foundation of our beliefs. And, and, and by the way, this is all extremely important parts of the Christian life and of preaching. We should know doctrine. Doctrine should be taught. Um, it's, it's, it's important. But what I'm going to say is this. Intellectual preaching can potentially be dangerous if you only remain in this zone. If this is the only kind of preaching, this teachy, academic, you know, focusing on just, we're going to go through all the, you know, the, and, and, and just this really intellectual, doctrinal preaching only, it can get dangerous. Why? Because oftentimes it, it, it errs toward formalism. Everything's so serious. It errs toward piety, pride, oftentimes. I'm smarter than you. It gives you this educational arrogance if you just remain in this zone. It, it oftentimes makes you think that, man, I've studied this passage out so much and heard it preached so much that I don't, I don't need to learn anything else from this passage. And that's what intellectual preaching can lead to. We, just, we look at the Bible you know, as just... All we look at is just all the all this doctrine and all these all this um, study and all these facts and and, and 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 although all that's in there already, yes, but oftentimes this preaching only, it's like looking at a window instead of looking through a window. And we just look at this is what we believe and we forget kind of the who, Christ in us. So intellectual preaching is a style of preaching which is important. But it can be dangerous if that's all there is. Number two, what else? Volitional preaching or, or practical preaching. And this, uh, as intellectual engages the mind, volitional or practical preaching uh, engages the will, our will. And oftentimes this preaching only can, can just reduce the Bible and bring the Bible down to just a self-help book. If you do these things, then you'll have a happy life. Very practical. And, and it just kind of brings God and, and treats God like a concierge. Like, hey, if I do all these things, then God will fulfill my needs and my desires and my wants can lend itself often to behavior modification results. If you do these things, if you live this certain way, if you hold to these standards and they make it, we make it so practical in this volitional preaching that all we're really doing, we're not changing the heart. We're just modifying our behavior. 
And the results of this kind of preaching and the response to this kind of preaching always either lends itself to a full of yourself, like, hey, I'm doing all the right things. I'm obeying all the right things. I'm doing all the right th- I'm taking all the right steps. Look how great I am. Or a hard on yourself. So it's really either full of yourself or hard on yourself. I'm not measuring up. I'm not following the steps. I messed up. God's mad at me. God's disappointed in me. God it, 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 you know, doesn't love me. And, and really, it's one or the other oftentimes with this kind of preaching only. It can be dangerous. So you see that, that it's good to be practical. We should preach in a way like that, but not all the time because it can lend itself to this. What else kind of preaching is there? Emotional preaching or devotional. You could use that word too. Emotional preaching. And this is a style of preaching that stirs the heart. Which, by the way, nothing wrong with emotions. But here's the problem with this emotional preaching in of itself is if this is just the only kind of style of preaching that I hold to, I could preach something totally unbiblical. I could preach heresy. But because I'm so fired up about it, you may look right past it. You know, you can get people worked up about something that's unbiblical. Emotional decisions are often short-lived, by the way. You make a decision, I tell a really sad story at the end of my sermon, and you start crying, and you're upset, and you're making a decision in your emotion. It can be short-lived. Oftentimes for the pastor, the results of emotional preaching, the, the response, the results are quantified by the emotional response of the congregation. So if the altars are full, if everybody's crying, I think, wow, I did a great job. But if everybody just, no one says anything or no one, you know, no one's emotions get stirred up, I think, well, I did, a, I did a bad job. That's not good. And like I said, emotions are not a good or a bad thing. God created our emotions. They're important. Truth is emotional. The supremacy of God, the greatness of God, the glory of God should stir our emotions. But may my preaching and may the preaching of this church not solely be based on just emotional and me trying to stir emotions, but me trying to preach the truth of Christ. It's the truth is the intellectual side and the love is the emotional side. Speaking the truth in love is what the Bible says. So emotional preaching, it's not all bad, but if you stay in this zone, it can be dangerous. What's this last style of preaching? And this is the preaching that I would like to to have in our church and to to have our, the preaching, whether it's me or somebody else, this is where I want us to, to live in this preaching zone. And this is worshipful preaching biblical preaching. And in this preaching, Jesus is the focus. Not just a grid of doctrine, not just practical self-help steps, not just sad stories, but Jesus. And this kind of preaching, all roads lead to Christ. It all goes back to Jesus in this. It's not try really hard and you can make it or follow these five steps and you'll, you know, have a, have a good, you know, have good kids or whatever. It's Jesus is the focus. All roads lead to Christ. And here's the, the formula kind of for this kind of preaching. You, whatever the topic may be, it's here what, here's what God has done. Here's what you can't do on your own. Here's why you can't do it. But here's how Jesus already did it. And here's how Jesus wants to do it in me and through me. It it's all goes back to him. And really, you can take all the other three styles of preaching and mash them up into one, and this is really what you get. You take the intellectual, you take the volitional, you take the emotional, and you pull it all together, and that's biblical, worshipful preaching. It's preaching that engages the mind, 
It's preaching that engages the will. It stirs the emotions. And when you do all those things, what happens? You're driven to worship. You're driven to worship. And that's the kind of preaching that I want to preach here personally, me, and anyone else that's here. Preaching that stirs the soul, that engages the will, that engages the mind, and through all those things, knowing what we believe, uh, bringing it down to the level that we can understand it, uh, talking about the love of Christ and, 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 and the need that we have, and stirring those emotions by the Bible, through the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, and driving us to worship. That's the kind of preaching that we need in this place. And anytime there's an invitation at the end, it's not about what I'm going to do or what you're going to do, but an invitation and the response should be, what is God, what has he already done, and what is Jesus going to do in me? That's the plan of preaching. That's the plan of preaching. So what's the purpose of preaching? We talk about the plan, the purpose, the people. What's the, the purpose of preaching? Well, the question also should be, for me as the pastor, why am I doing this? Why am I preaching? Why is this such a big deal? Why does every part of the service drive to the message? The singing, what we sing, how we worship, the importance of our worship, you know, the, 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 the lack of other things. So it's just, man, it's, it's the worship and then we move right into the preaching. Why is this so important? Why do I want to pour my time, my effort, my heart, my mind into the study of the Word of God? Why do I want to pour my, my, my efforts into, into having better communication skills, into educational studies, into deeper prayer. Why do I do those things as the pastor, as the preacher? Why do I folk, try to get you know, the graphics on the screen to be professional looking and the videos to be important and to, to grab your attention? Why go through all the work and trouble? Well, because of our purpose. And what is our purpose? Well, we know the purpose of our church. We've talked about it. It's right here on the banner. To know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. That's the goal for everything we do here. Everything we do here. The preaching, the singing, all of it. To know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. That's the purpose. The purpose of our preaching. If we break it down uh, you know, to three things. The preaching of the Word here at Coastline is all about these three things. It's about bringing people to do three things. Number one, it's bringing people to see Jesus for who he really is. Every time I preach, every time the word of God is open, every story I tell, every Bible story we go through, every, every topic that's talked about, every passage that's discussed and gone through, it's, it's driving to this, this purpose, this goal for the people listening to see Jesus for who he really is. He is the savior. He is the king. He is the answer for their problems, for their struggle. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to abundant life. He is their only hope. He is accessible. He is available. He is a friend. He is a deliverer. He is the son of God who was God. What, what I'm trying to accomplish in every message that's preached here at Coastline is not to make myself look good. It's not to create clones of me. It's not to just grow our church, uh, just to fill the fill the seats and to, and to crowd this place out. No, but the purpose of the preaching is for those listening, the lost souls, the people walking through this door with stress and anxiety and trouble. It's for them to see Jesus for who he really is. He is their answer. That's the first part of our purpose. What else though? Not just to see Jesus for who he really is, but to savor Jesus for the value that he really has. He's not just all those things I just mentioned and more, but really Jesus is all that we need. 
He's all that you need. He's all that I need. He's all that we'll ever need. And the preaching of the Word of God, the Bible preaching at Coastline is meant to tell, to communicate, to convince those listening, the congregation, the audience, the people. It's, the preaching is meant to tell them of His goodness, of His faithfulness, to convince them of His greatness and His perfect love for them. To savor Jesus for the value He really has. He's all you need. To see Jesus for who He really is, that's the purpose. To savor Jesus for the value He has, that's the purpose of our preaching, to bring people to do those things. And also, to bring people to show Jesus to the world. That is our purpose, to see Jesus for who He really is. In our preaching, that's the goal of our preaching, to help people see Jesus for who He really is, to savor Jesus for the value He has, and then once they, those things happen in their heart and their lives, then to show Jesus to the world. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul said, The Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That is the purpose of our preaching, to show Jesus to the world, to savor Jesus for the value he has, and to see Jesus for who he really is. So the plan of preaching, all those styles of preaching, we want to have worshipful preaching, biblical preaching. The purpose of our preaching is Jesus. It's Jesus. In and throughout, it's Jesus. And then lastly, the people of our preaching. The people of the preaching here at church. I'm going to read some verses right now. Romans 10, 14 and 15. We know these verses. We've heard these, these verses. These verses say, Paul says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I, I bolded on the screen all those words, they and them. and the, the, These are the people of our preaching. How shall they hear without a preacher? How they can hear without a preacher? Well, in the whole book of, of Romans, if you look... If you have your Bibles, you can go to Romans chapter 10. And, and in the first few verses here, you know, we, we kind of look at those verses and forget the rest of them. But Paul said in, in, in verse 1 of chapter 10, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Paul here is talking about the people of Israel, the Jews. And he says, listen, I want them to be saved. They're, they're missing it. Jesus came. He's the Messiah. He died and rose again. And they're just not seeing it. They're missing it. I, I just want them to be saved. He calls Jesus a stumbling block. They're, a, he's like they, they, they're, they're, they're tripping right over Jesus trying to get to their own righteousness. He's like, man, they're excited about God. He says there in verse 2, they have enthusiasm for God. Man, they, man, all these laws they follow, they, they have such a zeal for God, but it's a misdirected zeal. He says there in verse 2, he says, not according to knowledge. He's like, they're missing it. They have a zeal for God, but it's not the right kind of zeal. It's misdirected. All they care about is the law. He says in verse 3, you know, they, they're ignorant of God's righteousness because they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself now. 
He sent Jesus, the Messiah. They're still trying to follow the law. They've refused to accept God's way. They, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law and all the man-made, made-up laws that are, that are there. They don't accept God's new covenant, his new way of making people right with him, and that's Jesus Christ. Verse 4, that's what he says. For Christ is the end of the law. He's the end of the law for righteousness. Christ already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given in the first place, which is why all those who believe in Jesus Christ and his resurrection are made right with God. Paul said they just don't get it. Verse number five, he says, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness, verse six, which is of faith, speaketh unto the wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. Paul says, listen, Moses, in the Old Testament, yes, he wrote the law. And at that time, he said that the way to get right with God was to follow the law, to obedience to all of the commands, every one of them. But faith, this new covenant, Jesus Christ... Faith's way of getting right with God, you know, doesn't say we got to bring, you know, the Messiah down from heaven. We got to bring Christ down from heaven, down back down to earth. Who will go up to heaven? It doesn't say we got to go down and bring him back from the dead, descend into the deep and bring him back up. No, no, he already came. And he points back to this passage um, in verse number eight to an Old Testament passage that says, listen, the, the message is right here. It, it's on your lips and it's in your heart, but you're missing it. That's the message of faith. Verse 9, we know this verse. Think about verse 9, this verse you probably memorized as a child in, in the context of the whole passage. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We know those verses. And Paul says, listen, they're trying to get to heaven by the law obedience to every one of this command, this legalistic uh, uh, theology. And he's like, and that's not it anymore. You, you just have to openly declare that Jesus is Lord, verse 9, and believe in your heart that he's raised from the dead and you'll be saved. For by believing in your heart, you're made right with God. And then by openly declaring your, your faith, you're saved. In verse 9 and 10. And he points back again to an Old Testament passage in verse 11 when he says, for the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Points back when, when they said, listen, if you believe in God in the Old Testament, he's not going to let you down. Verse number 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Jews and Gentiles, whoever it is, they're the same. They have the same Lord who, who gives generously to all who call on him. And then we get to that verse in verse 13 that we have quoted and know. And Paul, after Paul has spent the last 12 verses explaining the danger of trusting in the law alone for salvation, what the Jews are doing and missing Christ, how Christ is the end of the law. And he says, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and even that verse that we've quoted so often, again, is pointing back to the book of Joel in the Old Testament that talks about the Lord delivering his people. Whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then we get to verses 14 and 15. That whole message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, So how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? 
And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That whole message you just talked about in the first 13 verses. Call in the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. Well, how are they going to call if they don't believe? How are they going to believe if they haven't, if they haven't heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? And that's, listen, there are people out there that need the word of God. Verse 15, he says, uh, And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? Again, Paul pointing back to the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, chapter 52 and verse 7, when he says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That, that verse in Isaiah that Paul quotes is talking about this herald, this, this bringer of news, of good news to the people of Judah who had been in exile, who had been in captivity in Babylon, the people of God enslaved. And this, this herald, this this bringer of the good news brings this good news to the people of God. The people of Judah says you can return to your homeland. Man, you're delivered. And his feet, the feet of that herald were beautiful to them because his good news was so welcome. Listen, the message was what he brought, but it was those worn and dusty feet that brought the message. Those, few, those feet were beautiful because the feet represented the messenger's willingness to be sent with good news. Only now, when Paul quotes this passage, the message was not just for Israel, but for the whole world. That is the gospel. The gospel is not just, deliverance isn't just for Israel now, it's for everybody. In church, our message is for the whole world. For every person within our reach that is lost, we have the message of Jesus. For every person that walks through these doors that is broken, that is hurting, that is searching, we have the message of Jesus. For all those who enter these doors that are doubting, that are scared, that are worried, that are anxious, we have the message of Jesus, the answer of Jesus, His gospel, He's enough. For all those who come addicted and desperate and wounded and weak, we have the message of Jesus Christ. That is the people of our preaching. By the way, church, you are called to preach the good news of Jesus too. All of us are. The Bible, Jesus gave us the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But, but the preaching from this pulpit, from this platform, from this zone up here, may, may it forever reflect the message of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. What's our number one core value as a church? Bible preaching. Listen, we're going to have goals as a church. We're going to have aspirations. We're going to make plans as a church to accomplish things. But here's the truth. If we can't reach those goals, if we can't accomplish those aspirations, if we can't get there with the gospel, then I don't want to get there. May that be our purpose. May that be our goal. Is whatever we do, whatever program we set up, whatever we end up doing as a church, may it always get back to the gospel. Because if we can't get there with the gospel, I don't want to get there. And as we close today, I want to share with you the purpose statement for today's core value. I'm going to do this each week. Every core value we have, I want to have a purpose statement for each one that we can kind of look back to. And it's there in your notes. And here's it. Here's our purpose statement for Bible preaching. Coastline is a place where the Bible is preached clearly. The truth is spoken in love. The gospel is shared continually. And the word of God is the authority. 
Let me read that again and listen and, and, and carry this with you. This is our purpose statement for Bible preaching at our church. Coastline is a place where the Bible is preached clearly, and I'll do my best, where the truth is spoken in love, where the gospel is shared continually, and where the word of God is the authority. May God bless the preaching that comes from this pulpit for years to come. And may God use it to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.